0: Thanks for listening to our sermons from Southbridge Fellowship. For additional resources or service information, visit us online at sfchurch.com. Hey,
1: good morning, Southbridge family. Wherever you are tuning in this morning, whether you're on campus at our watch party, whether you are somewhere in the RDU triangle, maybe at the beach, out of state, out of the country, uh, welcome to the Bakers, our missionaries in Madagascar who faithfully tune in. Man, we love you guys and continue to pray for you. Uh, as we continue our shift series, um, a lot of things in life cause us to shift or to move on to what we call new normal um, relationships, finances, Um Struggles, hardships, difficulty, loss, tragedy, all all these things cause uh, our life to shift. And so what I want to do this morning is is really sit down uh, and have a conversation with a friend. So I want to invite you to grab your favorite coffee cup, grab your Bible, uh, grab your small group study guide. We're going to fill in some blanks. Um, but I want to just do this as if you and I were sitting at a cafe, sitting at a coffee shop, a restaurant, whatever it may be, and and I just want us to have a conversation um, because I believe there are people in our lives that need the conversation just like we're going to have, and I pray that you will take the truth of God's word and apply it this week as you step into someone's life. Um, so go ahead, get your Bible, get a pen, um, get your get your coffee mug. Got my favorite. Cubs mug right here, um, and and your notes, and and let's just dive into God's word together. So if we were going to sit down um, and and talk, um, got my coffee, and and I, w- I would probably just say, how you doing? Uh, are you doing okay? <laughs> uh, what's going on in your life? And and we would begin to talk, we'd have a conversation, and and uh, at some point I would transition to simply say, are are you living right now with an overwhelming, abounding Hope? Or are you perhaps living with a sense of uncertainty, with fear, with caution? Uh, Even as a child of God, uh, there are many people who are just not filled with a sense of hope. And so I want to take us to some scripture this morning to help us embrace the hope that comes through our relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, no matter what the situation in our life that begins to establish a shift or new normal. The question always comes up, where do my feelings fit? Uh, where do my feelings fit in in my walk and my relationship with Christ? Uh, is God okay with my questions? Um, sometimes we struggle with sin and we begin to ask questions because we have doubt. Well, am I really saved? And and, and so all these questions come up and all these feelings pop up. So, um grab your study guide and I I want to give you four C's. The first C that I want to cover this morning is confidence. What is the confidence that we have? Uh, Our confidence as followers of Jesus Christ is based on the truth of God's word and on his nature and character. And so if we're sitting in a cafe, I would You know, I'd move and I I would grab a napkin, which I've done hundreds of time with people. Uh, My wife laughs because I will do this all the time. And I would grab a napkin and I would doodle just like I did on this napkin. uh, And I would draw a choo-choo train. Now, now this isn't your new fancy, you know, uh, ones. This is the old kind that was in all the old black and white John Wayne westerns and stuff like that. And so I, I would draw a train. And, and for each of those components of the train, I would give it a word. Now, this is not original to me. This was part of the uh, great little booklet by Campus Crusade called, Have You Made the Wonderful Discovery of the Spirit-Filled Life? And I'll actually post that to our Facebook group page. Um, but man, it was, it was life-changing for me. And, and I've shared it so many times with people. And, and as I would doodle on the napkin, I would share with you uh, the engine of that train. Right, Because the engine out front, the, the big engine that's, that's pulling the train along, that thing can run all by itself. Um, and then right behind that is a coal car. And the coal car, you know, is what, man, that's what's fueling the engine. Uh, and then at the back of every train is this cute little red thing that just sort of goes along for the ride. We call it the caboose. And I've always wondered what that's really for. Um, but I, I would take my napkin and I would doodle. And on each of those components, that engine, I would put fact what is fact? Fact is God and God's Word. It, it drives by itself. It does not need anything else. God is a God of truth. He's a God of certainty, and, and He's in charge. Uh, that coal car represents faith. What is faith? Faith is my trust in God and God's Word. And so I begin to fuel, right, Uh, that hope, that faith, because I'm trusting in God and and I'm placing my faith in Him. And then at the back, that little caboose, I would label it feeling because my feelings are the result of my trust in God and God's Word. So how can I live through uncertainty? How can I live through difficulty? How can I live through hardship or transition uh, uh, without great fear? How can I live with an abounding, overflowing hope? It's because I trust in the certainty of God and God's word. And, and the feeling of my life really shouldn't drive my life. God in his truth. Hebrews says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. The same God who was faithful to the Israelites thousands of years ago, to the Jews, to the Gentiles in the early church 2,000 years ago, to me 20, 30 years ago. The same God has been faithful in the past and he will be faithful today and tomorrow. And so my feelings are a result of my trust in God and God's Word. So we have to have this confidence, right? And we need to understand and apply this principle in our lives at any time that our world shifts or my life shifts. So that's confidence. The second C, I would say, is context. So I want to take us to our text and begin to apply this. The context, then, as we look at Romans chapter 15 Beginning in verse 13, one verse I want to share with you says this, because Paul gives this beautiful benediction here near the end of his letter. He says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Your translation may say overflow with hope. Man, this is great truth. And and it's great to embrace this truth, but just as we need to do with every single aspect of Scripture, we have to look at it in context. And when we understand this verse in its greater context, it's even more wonderful. It's even a greater truth Um, because it's important as Paul is, is writing this book of Romans. Matter of fact, many scholars have called Romans perhaps the most significant theological letter that's ever been written. And lives have been transformed because of the truth that is laid out. Augustine of Hippo, back in, in 354, died in 430. Um, it, it was the, he was perhaps one of the most influential of our church fathers. He became a follower of Jesus after reading the book of Romans. Martin Luther, the, the father of the Protestant Reformation, uh, was studying the book of Romans when he concluded that it is through faith alone that a person is justified with God. And John Wesley, who, who became a follower of Jesus Christ in the 1700s upon reading Luther's introduction to the book of Romans. So, I mean, there's profound truth here. And, and just a quick outline of, of the book of Romans, you could break it into three parts, simply summarize that, that salvation is needed by all people, that it is provided for all people, and it is free to all people by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Let me give you some quick verses, okay? Write these down because these are just great statements of God's truth and the gospel. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are all sinners. Uh, you look around our world. Listen, there's no one you've ever looked in the eye that God doesn't love. There's no one you've ever looked in the eye that is not a sinner separated from God. Romans six twenty three says, "For the wages of sin, is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord." Uh, the wage, what we earn because of our sin is separation. The word death just means separation. We're separated from God. We can't know His peace. We can't know His joy. We can't abound in hope. Why? Because we're separated from Him. But one of my life verses, Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 says, But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Wow. God knew me in my sin. He knew you in your sin, and he still chose to die to pay the penalty, right, for your sin so that you could be restored to him. So Romans 10, verses 9 and 10 give us this beautiful declaration. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So here's the summary, right? Man is sinful and separated from God. We can't know and experience God's love and plan, but God, but God, rich in love and mercy, who chases us down and pursues us, made a way for you and I to be restored and made right with him through his son, Jesus Christ. And we're restored by grace, Through faith, as we admit, that is to confess, to repent, the fact that we need a Savior and we receive as a free gift eternal life. Hope, abounding joy, peace. That's what Paul's telling us. So one of Paul's favorite phrases and words that he used, he uses it numerous times in Romans, but also in his other letters to the New Testament churches, Paul loves the phrase, in Christ Over a hundred times Paul uses the phrase, in Christ. Why? Because when we are restored to right relationship with God, we're in Christ. It's because of Christ, it's because of the work of Christ on our behalf that we become part of the family of God. And so Christ then is our standard, right? We are to be like Christ, resting and serving confidently in the hope of our Father. I've discovered that those with the greatest sense of confidence or security or hope are those who know not just what they believe, but why they believe what they believe. Do you know what you believe? But do you know why you believe what you believe? And so I think Paul leads up to this benediction in chapter 15, verse 13, by saying, listen, I want you to know what you believe, and I want you to know why you believe it. That's why you can have this incredible hope. And so back to our passage leading right up to this benediction. In verse 4 of chapter 15, Paul says, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we may have hope. So in other words, there's this history, right? I know what I believe and I know why I believe because God has proven himself faithful in the past so I can have a greater sense of confidence right now. And then in verses 9 through 12, Paul cites four Old Testament passages of Scripture where God fulfilled his promise to the people, to the Jewish people, to the Gentile people. God is bringing all people to himself. Why? Because everybody needs a Savior, Everybody has this salvation available. It's free to all. And Paul is showing us that God is redeeming all people to himself. Man, what an incredible picture. And so Paul uses the scripture as an example of how God, right, fulfills his promises. He's a faithful God. He is a God of hope. So then we get to that beautiful benediction in verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope." I want to break up this verse just a little bit and define some words. Hope. What is, what is hope? You see, the world's definition of hope, I am a Cub fan, one of my favorite mugs, my Cubs mug that my youngest son gave me it for Father's Day several years ago. I grew up a Cub fan. I grew up in the Chicago area, grew up going to Wrigley. Man, I love the Cubs. And, but, but from a worldly definition, Hope is this feeling that what I want to happen might happen. And and I grew up as a Cub fan just hoping one day that what I wanted to happen might happen. Um, That's a worldly version of hope. Uh, But for me, at least in 2016, my Cubs won the World Series. Praise the Lord. It's great. Um, But biblical hope is not the same. See, biblical hope is the confidence that what God has done for us, for me, in the past, guarantees our participation in what God will do in the future. You see, I can look at, at Paul's verses as he mentioned the Old Testament, how God fulfilled His promise. And because God was faithful to fulfill His promises in the past, He will be faithful to do it today, and He will be faithful to do it tomorrow, and next week, next month, next year. That's a biblical hope. It's a confidence in the person of God. And I put my trust in Him. My feelings are a result of the confidence that I have in a faithful God. So let's define joy. What is joy? Well, biblical joy is the happy state that results from knowing and serving God. And how do we define peace? Well, we define peace. Peace is a spiritual sense of well-being and fulfillment that comes from God and is dependent on His presence. My friend Kenny Luck that preached for us at Southbridge just a few weeks ago once said, and I love this, he said, anxiety comes over me when I start imagining future things without Jesus' person, presence, and power in it. But peace comes when I focus on His presence, power, and purpose in my life today. It's that presence of God, the presence of His Spirit. And that's what he's saying. The the presence of the Spirit brings these things to us. Why? Because Galatians 5, Paul says, peace and joy are part of the fruit of the Spirit. We experience these things because of the presence of the Spirit of God in our lives. Paul desired that this process, right, of believing in the God of hope and receiving peace and joy would result in believers then overflowing or, or abounding, your translation may say, with hope to impact a lost world. I love the quote from from, J. I., uh, from John Piper who, who simply said, Lord, let me make a difference for you that is totally disproportionate to who I am. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever prayed that? Lord, let me make a difference for you that is totally disproportionate to who I am. In other words, dream dreams so big they're doomed for failure unless God is in it. Uh, Man, this kind of confident, happy state from knowing and serving God that brings a sense of fulfillment and dependence then leads us to action. It leads us to our, our third C, and that is a calling, Look back at verse 13, this benediction. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that, circle that, get your pen in your Bible, circle that or underline that. So that, what? By the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. You see, because of our confident hope in the context of God's truth, we have this calling. There's this calling that God has placed on us. So that indicates a cause and effect relationship. Note that it's God that does the filling with joy and hope. Our only responsibility is to believe. It says, by believing. So as we're placing our trust, let's go back to the train illustration. By believing, we're placing our trust, my faith, in the object, which right here, God is the object of my faith he is the God of hope the faithful God so I will place my faith my hope in him as the object of my faith the result then will be abounding peace abounding joy abounding hope that is overflowing with his love and grace through me to other people which leads us then to our fourth C and that is conversations. You see, if I'm experiencing the confidence and the hope that comes from a relationship with God and I understand the context of this faithful God and I understand the calling that He's placed on me, it should be easy for me, abounding in love, overflowing with hope, to step into other people's lives at a table just like this and have a conversation. A conversation with people in this day and age today that are hopeless that are hurting, that are asking questions, who who are living this life with more questions than answers. Folks, listen, we have the answers. It is a faithful and true God, our God of hope. So how do you engage others in gospel conversation? How, How do you do that as you overflow with hope in Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit? How do you engage people When I joined staff with Campus Crusade for Christ a number of years ago, Dr. and founder uh, Bill Bright, um, just an incredible man of God. He used to use a quote that that I just fell in love with, and I heard him say it dozens and dozens of times. About every time he spoke, every crew, uh, staff training, he would remind us of this simple truth. Take the initiative in the power of the Holy Spirit and leave the results to God. Take the initiative in the power of the Holy Spirit and leave the results to God. Listen, as we're being trained in the fourth spiritual laws and challenged to go out and share our faith, it was always take the initiative in the power of the Holy Spirit and leave the results to God. And, and through my years of ministry, I've come to realize, Dave, you are not responsible for the conversion. You're simply responsible for the conversation. Are you willing to have the conversation? Are you willing to sit down with friends at a table and enjoy a cup of coffee in your favorite mug and and just have the conversation and and let the Holy Spirit do in that person's life what only the Holy Spirit can do anyway? So how do I transition everyday conversations to a gospel opportunity? Well, uh, I want to give you three questions, but before I do that, I want to share just one thing I'm doing right now. You know, we're living in the midst of this pandemic and wh- whether you think we should or shouldn't wear masks is really not the issue to me. I, right now, I'm looking at it as a gospel opportunity. <laughs> You're going, what? Uh, well, I, I love the series that came out called The Chosen. Have you, have you seen The Chosen? Thank you, Dallas Jenkins and your team for doing an incredible job on the life of Jesus, the calling of the disciples. Season one is up. Uh, get your phone. Just... Open your app store and and search The Chosen. You can download it. You can watch the first eight episodes free. They're in the process right now, beginning to shoot season two. But I love this series. It's so authentic. It's so real. And in the seventh episode, as Jesus is calling Matthew, the tax collector, he's got a few disciples following him, and Peter is one of those. And and Peter looks at Jesus. He goes, I can't believe you're calling him. And, And Jesus said, well, you couldn't believe it when I called you. And Peter says, well, that's different. And Jesus used this phrase. He says, get used to different. (laughs) I love that. Well, I went on the the chosen merch store and I got me a little neck gaiter to wear as a face covering during the pandemic. And it simply says, get used to different. And so this is my face covering as I go out in public and and I'll pull it up and I'll put it across my face. And, And I love the conversations that this has already provided for me because people are ready to have conversations and they'll inquire and I'll be able to tell them about my love relationship with Jesus, how I am abounding in hope through this pandemic because of the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, So I mean that's just again it's just a way for us to be able to do that. But I want to give you three transition questions uh, that I have found useful uh, that maybe just in the midst of conversation as you're sitting down with a friend having a cup of coffee or a Coke or a sandwich, whatever it may be, and just spending a few moments together. Maybe one of these questions would be an encouragement to you, um, and God would just bring it up. Question number one. I got this through the faith evangelism strategy that came out a number of years ago. And the question is simply this. In your personal opinion, what do you understand it takes for a person to get to heaven? In your personal opinion, what do you understand it takes for a person to get to heaven? That's going to tell you a lot. Uh, That's just a starting point, a a place to step off and begin to have a gospel conversation to share the hope that you have. Uh, The second question, write this one down, fill in the blanks on your your study guide. What do you believe God sees when He looks at you? What do you believe God sees when He looks at you? That's just a great question to, to ask a friend. It's going to tell you a lot about who they are and how they see themselves. It's going to tell you a lot about their need. Number three, fill in the blank on this one. Do you have any spiritual beliefs that give you hope? See, this is a great question for this specific season, because we live in a world right now that is lost and without hope. And people are searching, people are wondering, people are scared. (laughs) We're followers of Jesus Christ. We don't need to be afraid. We live with hope, we live with peace, we live with joy. But it's a great question to ask a friend. Do you have any spiritual beliefs that give you hope? Or you can share with them your beliefs and how you have hope as you overflow and abound with hope. For those that are looking for opportunities to share the love of Jesus in meaningful ways, I have found that the best evangelists are are not the ones who are most articulate But I've found that that the best evangelists are those that are most engaged, most available, most interested in someone else's life and tend to ask the best questions. We can do that with our friends. We can do that with those right now that need to know the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. What about you? As we close this morning, right before Pastor Scott comes back, he's going to share some exciting things with us. But right before that, can I just ask you, are you filled with hope? Do you know Jesus Christ personally? Have you come to the place that you've asked Jesus to forgive you of your sin? Have you begun that new relationship with Christ? If not, you can do that right now simply by, as we discovered in Romans, confessing your sin. Confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. He wants to have a relationship with you. And you can text us. You can just go, just text the number. It's on the screen right now. We'd love to have a conversation with you today. We call you. We'll talk on the phone. We'll trade texts. Whatever you want to do, we would love to help you know Jesus Christ personally. And for those of you, if you're, if you're sitting there going, man, I've given my life to Christ, but, but I, I want to be filled with hope. Maybe you need to lean deeper into the, to the object of our faith. That is the God of hope. And you need to rely on Him. You need to be filled with hope. To, overabund- to overflowing or to abundance so that you can have that conversation. Maybe some of you right now just need to grab your phone and just text a friend or call a friend and say, hey, I'd love to get with you this week. Could we meet? Let's, let's meet at our favorite coffee shop. Let's meet, meet at our favorite cafe. Let's just talk. And, and right now you would begin to pray, God, give me the courage and the boldness to use one of these transition questions to have a a meaningful gospel conversation with my friend. Pastor Scott reminds us a lot here, uh, you know, because, man, we're all about connecting people to Jesus for life change. And that spiritual uh, transformation in our life leads to gospel saturation. Let's go this week and let's saturate the RDU triangle area with gospel conversations for the glory and honor of Jesus Christ. Are you willing to do that? You can text right now. We would love to help you any way that we can. And in just a moment, Pastor Scott's going to come back and and share some more detail. But right now, let me just pray for you and pray for me. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. God, that you came to save lost people like me. Lost people like all of us because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But Lord, you demonstrated your love for us even while we were still sinners you sent your son Jesus Christ to pay the price for my sin and Lord by faith I have received him by faith I live and surrender Lord for that person that might be watching this morning that needs to know you father would you just speak to their heart would you draw them close let them know of your love Lord, for those of us that need to have a conversation with a friend this week, would you give us the courage and the boldness to reach out with intentionality to share the love of Christ with that friend this week. Let's be obedient in the moment, not responsible for the conversion, only responsible to have the conversation. Give us that courage today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go back to Pastor Scott.
0: Southbridge Church family, thank you for worshiping with us this morning. And Pastor Dave, thank you for your message from God's Word. And before you turn us off and begin to discuss today's message and how you can put it into practice, I want to share just a few things with you that are happening at our church, including our reopening plan. First, our campus is open now. So if you or your small group want to meet up here, just let us know by contacting the office. This afternoon is going to be great. We've been doing VBS as a church, and the way we've been doing it is through drive-through VBS. We've had over 140 kids already taking part in this unique way to connect kids to Jesus for life change. But tonight's special. Even if you haven't been apart so far, think about coming because this afternoon, between three and five, if you come and bring a canned good for our food drive, you have a chance to dunk Pastor Brad, our kids' pastor, in a dunk tank. The more food you bring, the more chances you're gonna get to make him suffer. So stock up, come out, and when you come, we're going to give you resources so you can connect your family to Jesus, and you're getting an opportunity to dunk Pastor Brad. As we think about our regathering plan, I just want you to know our online services have been great. God's used them to expand our reach as a church. We've grown the amount of small groups that we have and the amount of people in our small groups have grown, not just in numbers, but also many of you, you can testify that you've grown in depth of relationship as those relationships have become more and more narrow and the fewer you've gone deeper with many people. And we know that God's used our time gathering online services to reach people in other states that have trusted Christ. People that that wouldn't drive this distance to come here have have seen what's happening because some of you shared these services online. Or they were just scrolling through and not even planning to go to church and some have come and now we know that we've got people that are actually gathering in other states to watch these services. And so we know the online services have been great but We also know that special things happen when we gather in person. Sometimes it's the unplanned stuff, like having a conversation with someone that leads them to pray for you, or you to pray for them. And there's just an increased accountability of us gathering together in person. There's those moments where you're praying with someone, or maybe you're not praying with someone and they're not praying with you, but you see people doing that off in the distance and you just know that God's at work in those moments. There's hearing other people sing the same song, which reminds us our unity that we have in the gospel and our relationship with Jesus. And and I think now more than ever, just in my opinion, that we need that. We we need to to be unified in in the gospel and in Jesus with all the things that are happening in our world. And so it's not just about us coming together to get back into the routines or, or because we're making some statements about that, but but we want to be able to live out the one another's in ways that, that it's really difficult to do online, of carrying each other's burdens and praying for each other and confessing sin to each other and, and rejoicing and mourning. And, and as, as elders and pastors and the staff, we've been prayerfully considering our next steps in our reentry plan as a church. We know that this is just another step in the process. This isn't our final destination in terms of, of gathering together. But our new schedule begins on August 30th. Mark your calendars. August 30th with online services still at 9 and 11, along with an outdoor in-person service at 9 a.m. on campus. We know that there are some who are ready to return in person, and they're ready for these gatherings, and they're just longing to see their brothers and sisters in Christ, and we want to make that available to you. We also know that our online gatherings have been primary for us over the last five months, and we don't want anyone to miss out on our weekend worship experiences. As part of the body of Christ, our greatest responsibility is to love God and to love others. We, we feel that offering both of these, the on-campus outdoor service and the online services, is a continued way to meet people where they are and provide opportunities for them to grow. So whether you join us online or you join us in person on August 30th and beyond, our goal is to still the same. It's connecting people to Jesus for life change, which, the Lord willing, has already happened this morning. I'm sure you may have some specific questions about what the service may look like, safety precautions, kids' ministry, family ministries, and and all kinds of stuff. I'm going to encourage you to go to our website, sfchurch.com, where you can find an updated reentry plan, more details than I've given you right now. You can find answers to some frequently asked questions, ministry opportunities, places to serve, and all kinds of other information. And I want you to know we're grateful for you and we continue to pray for you. Every pastor's praying for you. All the elders are praying for you. Our deacons are praying for you. We support you as you walk through this unique season and, and we do this together. We know that through all of this, God has a plan and a purpose. As one of your pastors, I pray that you will trust him more and more every day. We love you, church family, and we hope to see you soon. Will you mark your calendars for August 30th when we begin an on-campus outdoor service And we'll still have our our nine o'clock and 11 o'clock online services, but on campus, outdoors on August 30th at nine o'clock, we'll we'll be right here. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you that we've been able to worship together during this unique season, this unique time. Thank you for being our hope, Jesus. Thank you for for coming into our lives when we were without you and without hope and, and connecting us to you through your sacrifice, through your death, through your resurrection. And Father, thank you for calling us into new steps of faith during this season. I pray you continue to work. I pray you continue to save people. I pray you continue to take us deeper and deeper with you and each other. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Will you join me in reading our benediction from our passage today in Romans chapter 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.